What's happening, everybody? Welcome to another episode of What Are You Talking About? This is our third episode. With me, as always, is my older brother, Chris. My name's Bob. Uh, we have our website up, www.fenleyroadsports.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at FenleyRDSports. So give us a tweet if you like what you're hearing. You can visit the website, see our blog. Where we post to it once a week about the podcast and about some other stuff happening in the world of sports. Uh, this is our third episode. Uh, the first episode, we covered the NFL. The second one, the NBA. So today we're talking about the MLB. Chris, it's kind of hard to think that pitchers and catchers are reporting later this week, right? It's pretty sweet, actually. It's crazy that the year's going by so fast, but it's also very exciting because uh, baseball is my favorite sport to attend live, and I'm definitely going to get out to some trap games this year and maybe even some more. Uh, I like to visit a lot of ballparks. My goal is to hit them all one day. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Whenever I hear the news that pitchers and catchers reporting, it just makes me feel warm because we're in the middle of, right. the, of the coldest month. And it just makes me feel like, all right, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Like, we can get through this. It's okay. I mean, there's a mountain of snow outside my apartment window, and it's minus 7 or was minus 7 at one point this weekend. <laughs> so, needless to say, I really wanted that Netflix House of Cards release not to be a joke because this oh, would yeah. have been the perfect weekend to binge on that. Definitely. But, unfortunately, it was fake, and I was stuck not really doing much hoping for summer yeah but it's coming it's coming so uh yeah we have a whole mlb offseason to talk about obviously a lot of mega contracts were doled out um the way we thought best to talk about it was uh to do two different top five lists the five best offseason moves and the five worst offseason moves and that'll give us a way to just talk about as many topics that happen in the mlb as possible so i'll start with uh my top five list which was the top five worst mlb offseason moves and number one i'm sorry to do it to you cubs fans but john lester's six-year 155 million dollar deal uh tops my chart um i no no disrespect to john lester i think he's a really good pitcher who has probably two elite years left in him but I am never a fan of paying a pitcher $25 million a year for six years. By the time the deal's up, he's going to be 37. Uh, there's no way he's going to be pitching that worth uh, in the later end of this deal. Um, I, get, I understand the idea of giving out big money to big money pitchers, it's, and that idea is to win now, but the Cubs aren't in win now mode they're still are is this a talented roster mode they were last in the division last year they share a division with the pittsburgh pirates and the st louis cardinals they're not going to win the division this year they have yeah they have some talent some prospects are finally making it to the big leagues but uh it's a big contract for a team that still has a lot of work to do and a lot of questions unanswered. uh what, what were your thoughts about it yeah, I, I think it's a panic move, to tell you the truth. I think uh, King Theo, as I sarcastically call him, uh, is feeling the yeah. pressure in Chicago because he was he rode in on this uh, white horse and was supposed to 
dig them out of the dumps. And the last three years, they have been at the bottom of that division. It's a very tough division. St. Louis, who has been dominating not just that division, but the league, yeah. the National League. Pittsburgh isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Milwaukee, a team you didn't mention, finished third in that division and looked like they were going to win it at one point. Yeah, I mean, they finished above 500 last year. They had three 500 teams. And so then Cincinnati as well, they were they were tough out as well, uh, you know, not to use the baseball pun. But the <laughs> Cubs, I mean, they, they go out and get John Lester, and uh, they still have all these prospects that we're waiting on to get to the big leagues. Every year they've had the best farm system, it seems. And yep. when are these prospects going to stop being prospects? That's what I want to know. And so I, I think, you know, Theo and, and the Cubs felt a little pressure. Hey, you know, we got to start showing some results because, uh, you know, you don't get forever in professional sports, and and your star definitely fades after a while. Yeah. And uh, you know it, it screams kind of a panic move. I I, I agree. I knew John Lester was going to get paid. I thought he was going to go to more of a contending team. Yeah, me uh, too. But yeah, him him landing on in in Chicago uh, kind of surprised me. Definitely. I know, and I know. Uh, you know, I love Back to the Future, and and Back to the Future too. This is supposed to be the year the Cubs win. So maybe Theo was influenced by that. But um, yeah, they, they could have split that money up and gone with like a second tier pitcher and signed some power bats. Uh, there, there are holes on this roster that need to be filled. You're not just one ace away. I'm just looking no. at their projected starting lineup. The first four guys: Dexter Fowler, Starlin Castro, Anthony Rizzo, and Jorge Soler. Uh, that's not in, an intimidating starting four. And then they're gonna draw a lot of walks in that lineup. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then after Lester, you have Jake Arietta and Jason Hamill as your two and three. Uh, yeah. I, I think that money could have been spent a lot better. And then two years later, you could have dropped the $25 million paycheck on the ace that was available. Every year, there's an ace available. I don't understand why they had to go in now. Theo Epstein, right. yeah, I think he's the, the pressure's on in Chicago for him. And you know, I've always thought he was overrated, but... I mean, yeah, yeah. We It'll won't get into that. We can. We that's another. That's another podcast. The whole Theo Epstein thing. But um, yeah. But I guess you know, switching gears because your number one is the Chicago Cubs. My number one is in the same city, the Chicago White Sox. Yeah. I think they made some excellent moves this off season. First off, Melky Cabrera, three years, forty-two million dollars. It's a bargain. You want to talk about the opposite of John Lester's contract? That's a big time bargain. Adam LaRoche. I don't know why people don't like this guy. All he does is hit lots of home runs. They really solidified the bullpen with David Robinson and Zach Duke. Uh, and then the big trade for Jeff Samarja to put him next to Chris Sale, bringing Samarja back to the city of Chicago. Obviously, he used to play for the Cubs. Right. Uh, so Samarja and Sale, that's a good one-two punch. And let's not forget Jose Abreu, the rookie of the year in that lineup. I'm telling you, man, the White Sox are a team to watch this year, and I'm going to go bold right off the bat, bold prediction time. <laughs> they will finish second in the American League Central Division. Wow, because you can make the argument that the AL Central is the strongest division in baseball. They All all four of the contending teams improved. Well, you can make the argument that Kansas City digressed a little bit, but they've made the World Series, so they're going to be there. Um, that's a pretty bold prediction but i definitely like what chicago did uh they overpaid for a closer which i don't think you should ever do in dave robertson but that's mm-hmm. that being said he's still a, a high quality closer in his prime 
all the other moves right. were bargains. Uh, yeah, I like what they're doing. They were a good team last year too. They weren't bad. No, yeah, I mean they were seventy three and eighty nine, but I, I think that they were a little bit better than the record indicated. I mean they still had Chris Sale at the top of their rotation. They had Jose Abreu big bat. I just don't think they had much else around them. Mm-hmm. They certainly solved at least on paper that problem in the off season. We'll see how it translates, but I think that there's a lot on that team that that could perform better i think that they're going to make some moves this year and and i agree with kansas city i'm sure we'll talk more about detailed projection projections as the year gets closer maybe do a little uh division by division breakdown but for, for sure. right now i'm just going to leave the audience hanging with that chicago white Sox. they'll be second in the al central when it's all said and done all right well you heard it uh <laughs> so number two on my worst list is a former al central member Max Scherzer signing a massive seven-year, $210 million contract. That being said, uh, they did something interesting with that, and there's going to be a deferred payment for the last $105 million of the contract. So in essence, that deal is going to be paid out until 2028. Yep, 2028. I think until he's like 43 years old or something like that, they'll still be paying him something. Wow, <laughs> man. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. Yeah. To tell you the truth. Absolutely. Um, I hate the contract. I I I agree with you. I don't think you should ever pay a pitcher, uh, in the 25 million range. Uh, there are very few exceptions to the rule. I can understand when homegrown franchises want to keep their franchise players. They tend to overpay for their homegrown stars. Sure. That makes sense to me. But I, I don't like it a lot, but it makes sense to me. I don't know why Washington needed to go out and get Matt Scherzer. They have a very deep rotation yeah. as it is. But I'm going to slightly disagree in this sense. I think that for this year, 2015... I think Max is going to switch from the uh, switching from the AL to the NL is going to be good for him. Yeah, that'll help, especially the NL East. Uh, definitely a pitcher's right. division. Right, not a good division at all. That rotation is scary, and I think yes. that Washington, being first place in two of the last three years, not just in the division but in the league, they have a win now mentality. This is the kind of team that sees itself maybe one guy away from winning the World Series. And if you can't go out and get a bat, because we don't know if they went out or tried to sign guys and they turned them down, you go out and make a deep strength even deeper. I like what they did for this year, and if it translates into a deep run into the playoffs, a World Series appearance, or a championship, then I don't think the fans are going to care much about the contract six years from now. This is the equivalent of going all in in poker, and yeah. so I kind of like I kind of like the move. I like teams that are on the cusp, not being afraid to go bold and go big to try to chase that title because championship windows don't come around often. But I agree with you the the long term two hundred ten million dollar contract is uh, they're they're gonna feel that in probably two or three years. Yeah, for sure. The last three years, though deferred, he is owed thirty five million dollars for each of those last three years. So when he's thirty. 36 and 37 he'll be responsible for that much on the payroll uh speaking of that rotation you have strasburg a free agent in 2017 zimmerman who's 28 years old and will be a free agent next year scherzer you have fister who'll be a doug fister who'll be a free agent in 2016 and then you have Gio gonzalez who they signed to a big deal a few years ago 
he has team options until 2018. And then they have the young kid in Tanner Rourke who pitched lights out last year. That's yeah, This did. is kind of why I have him on the worst deals list is that they already had one of the best rotations in baseball. So who's the odd man out? How can you be sure that that guy is going to be worse than any of the other five guys that you stood with, you know? So, um, yeah, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying, and, and I certainly agree. It's a lot of money to pay for a guy who is, um, you know, not, not exactly a young guy. And it's, it's a lot of money in general for a pitcher who isn't your homegrown talent. Right. But at the same time, I, I, I just think the Nationals want to go all in this year, and it's definitely a big splash move. But uh, if they don't win it all in the next couple seasons, they're going to be feeling some big time ramifications definitely and that, that's again that's what all these deals are they, they you have to be in win now mode for these mega deals because they're just gonna eat you alive look at the phillies right mm-hmm. now they can't do anything to get out of the hole no. they dug themselves in same with the yankees no. essentially um but yeah from one ex al central player to one guy who's about to join the al central my number two move was cleveland trading for brandon moss mm-hmm. Because I think that uh, this is a move that really is going to help the Cleveland Indians. If you followed them at all, they didn't have much in their lineup. Michael Brantley had a, had a fantastic year last year. I believe he was third in the MVP voting, yep. which kind of surprised me. And But I was very happy because he's my favorite player on the team. Yeah. Uh, but bringing Brandon Moss over there, I mean, the guys, I think, averaged about 28 or 29 home runs in the last three seasons. Uh, definitely a boomer bust kite bat, but the Indians needed some pop in that lineup. And if they can shore up the defense, I really like what the Tribe has in their rotation. And I think Brandon Moss is going to help them offensively. Um, we'll, we'll talk more details about the Tribe later, but... I like Brandon Moss. I think he's an undervalued bat, and I think he definitely addresses a big need for the Cleveland Indians. Definitely, that was def. I think that was a great move. They essentially swapped a minor league prospect for Brandon Moss, and th- th- that was right. awesome. I think Cleveland uh, surprised a lot of people by the fact that Corey Kluber won the Cy Young. They're going to surprise some more mm-hmm. people now that that young rotation is now blossoming, and they're entering. They're mm-hmm. all entering their prime together. I think they this year could give any team a run for their money in terms of starting pitching and i don't mm-hmm. think uh they're on a lot of teams radars in that sense but yeah they're they're in for a good year for sure if that rotation is what it promises to be and brandon moss stays relatively healthy i think they're they're gonna make some noise for sure well and santana and kipnis have to have better years too um, yeah santana can't start with the season the way he did last year kipnis is loving Nick Swisher because Nick Swisher was the GOAT last year. Uh, if he wasn't on the team, Nick, Jason Kipnis would be the GOAT because he did not have a Jason Kipnis-like year. Definitely. They need those two guys to play better with Brantley and Moss. But I think if those four guys produce, that's a solid middle of the lineup. Not not super intimidating like you know Detroit's had in the past, yeah. but it's definitely you know not something to just scoff at. So it, it, I, I think Brandon Moss has a little extra pop there, and, and I like the move because they gave up practically nothing for him. Yeah, big fan of that move, and I, I can't lie when I say it makes me happy. Uh, but yeah. all right, moving on to my third worst move. Uh, I'm going to give this one to an entire franchise. The Boston Red Sox, kind of disappointed this year. I, uh, they're getting some praise for the moves they made, and that has me scratching my head. 
They signed Pablo Sandoval, age 28, to a five-year, $95 million deal. That one I'm kind of okay with because the Red Sox target these guys that don't have, wow, blow your socks off offensive numbers, but they're still good offensive producers and they're high-quality guys who will work the pitch count. That's kind of their mold, and Pablo definitely fits into that mold. One thing I would say... he's clutch in the postseason. Yeah, yeah, and he's capitalizing on a fantastic World Series run. Uh, He's been clutch both times they won the World Series in 2012 and 2014. That being said, you have to play 162 games before you get to the postseason. And (laughs) in the regular season, he's just a 270 hitter that has hit less than 30 home runs every year. And you're giving him a pretty big contract. But that being said, he's 28, so I I understand that move. But then you sign Hanley Ramirez, age 31, to a four-year, $88 million deal, uh, essentially paying him $22 million for the next four years to play left field. So you sign a guy who's not even – has never played the outfield his entire career, is already a below-average shortstop slash third baseman, which was his given position, the position that he naturally fit into. Now you're having him play left field in Fenway Park, which has the weirdest left field in all of baseball. And on top of that, the signing of him forced Yoannis Cespedes out of Boston, who is one of the premier corner outfield right-handed bats in all of baseball. He's an excellent fielder. I mean, he's got a cannon out there, too. Oh, yeah, he's he's one of the best defensive corner outfielders out there as well for sure yeah that one was a huge head scratcher Hanley Ramirez will live in infamy for me because as I mentioned earlier I like to visit ballparks last year I saw all five California parks you were with me for two of them I saw Clayton Kershaw's no hitter almost perfect game and Hanley Ramirez uh, had a big air on the 28th batter not the 20th but but, uh, Kershaw faced 28 and the guy that he didn't retire was an Aaron Ramirez, so I will not forget that, but it was an awesome experience. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't understand why they paid Hanley Ramirez so much money. I, I don't think he's uh, – I mean, he's definitely not what he was five years ago when he was almost an automatic number one pick in fantasy baseball. Oh, I mean, uh, in, between 2006 and 2010, he was the best offensive shortstop right between stealing bases and hitting home runs and hitting for average he he beat Troy Tulowitzki out every year he was he was the best but he's been hurt he's had some attitude problems and now you're moving him to left field and he's 31 you know he's only gonna be less durable the older he gets it really confused me that move on top of getting rid of Cespedes and Boston 71 and 91 last year after winning the World Series two years ago, which is kind of a a weird story. They go from worst to first to worst again. I, I don't understand what's happening with that team, and definitely and now they're down, down John Lester too. Yeah. But staying in the AL East and staying with the Oakland A's on my best list, uh, my number three <laughs> move was Toronto trading for Josh Donaldson. Yeah. Uh, Oakland decided these two bats were not worth having around, so they gave away Moss to Cleveland. They, I think they got more in the Donaldson trade. Uh, well, yeah, way more than they got in the Moss trade. For sure. But uh, Donaldson, I mean, easily one of the best uh, third basemen offensively in baseball. 
Um, just looking up his home runs here, he's had 24 in 2013, 29 in 2014, a big power bat uh, to go with Jose Batista in that lineup. Toronto, another team that could make some noise this year. They've kind of been on the cusp. They play in a pretty tough division, but Tampa Bay seems to be sliding. Boston, who knows? Yeah. A lot of questions in that division, so uh, you know we'll see. I mean, I, I think I certainly think Toronto could be right right in the mix of things, and uh, put it, get, going out and getting Donaldson definitely helps them out. Yeah, I don't the the Oakland A's fire sale this off season really confused me, and I don't think a lot of teams were even aware that they were selling because right. they sell oh, they yeah. sold their two premier power hitters for for next to nothing. And I, I right. have to think that if they let the league know that they were selling, they would have been able to get a lot more than what they got for Brandon Moss and Josh Donaldson. Yeah, and and like, I don't understand why. Because Cleveland traded for Brandon Moss. I'm thinking, and that happened after the Donaldson trade, I believe. I'm like, man, Cleveland should have just traded for Donaldson too. Because I felt like with their pitching depth, they could have put together a package that the A's would have been interested in. Yeah, for sure. That would have been one heck of a heck of an offseason for them. If they could have pulled that out. I can't, you know, really blame the front office. I have no idea what they knew or what they didn't know. But yeah. it, it did come out of, uh, you know, it came out of left field to stay with the baseball puns there. Uh, <laughs> the the Oakland fire sale. Yeah, I don't I don't get what happened. I mean, I think a lot of people saw it coming when they traded for all those pitchers who were going to be free agents last offseason. But that was a team that really pushed all the chips in the middle of the table last year and uh, seemed to tear it down real quick. Yeah. It was crazy. Everyone's just like, "Wait, what? What was that?" Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I still don't understand what they were thinking. Yeah, me neither. Uh, moving on, uh, I mentioned Hanley Ramirez before. The team that he left, the LA Dodgers, they made some kind of non moves. Really, they they let Hanley go, which I totally understand. Uh, not paying that guy twenty two million dollars a year, but to replace him, they they went out and got Jimmy Rollins who uh, has been surprisingly durable the last four years and is definitely a defensive upgrade over Hanley, but he's nowhere near the bat or the speed that Hanley Ramirez offered. Uh, The last four years, he's hit less than 250 a year, uh, less than 17 home runs a year, uh, less than 68 RBIs as well. Uh, I I don't see that being an improvement, nor do I see that, uh, you know, you just paid Clayton Kershaw a huge contract you keep on adding on these these huge deals they signed Brandon McCarthy to a four-year deal obviously you're in win now mode because you have the best pitcher in baseball Uh, that's not a move that is gonna make things easier than it was last year when you got beat so yeah that was a head scratcher and then they traded away D Gordon who is the premier base dealer in the league now stole over 50 I think 64 was the number he came in at last year he was under team control for until 2019 and they traded him away to Miami for they got a, a good return in him the premier prospect that they had they trade they went around and turned that into um Howie Kendrick to replace D Gordon they traded Andrew Heaney to the LA Angels for Howie Kendrick and I don't think Kendrick offers anything more than what D Gordon offered he can play some outfield but other than that he's slower and he's maybe has a little bit more power but he's definitely not gonna push you over the edge either Uh, I think the Dodgers they needed to make another splash because they have such a huge payroll right now and a 
ton of talent they need to push themselves over the edge and instead they just kind of played with some pieces and set themselves up for next year's free agency but what are you going to do this year you know yeah no definitely especially when they have that ownership group that uh is not shy about spending money it's surprised that they made some of these moves that seem to be kind of payroll conscience i i don't know what some of the logic was behind them but i, I certainly understand letting Hanley ramirez go i think everyone knew that that was going to happen yeah but you're right i mean trading d gordon uh getting rid of matt kemp it just it didn't sign. It didn't, and then they signed Brandon McCarthy. And the point you made about you know Max Scherzer earlier, they have Grinky and uh, Clayton Kershaw, great one-two punch, arguably the best one-two punch in baseball. Yeah, and, and Ryu's a really good some, three as well. Right. So I, yeah, it was a, an odd off season for the Dodgers, and it's certainly worthy of being one of uh, being on the worst list. Yeah. But transitioning same state, they helped out another team in their division. Uh, with some of those moves, trading Matt Kemp away to the San Diego Padres. I know you really like what the Padres have done, but they got a whole new outfield. Justin Upton, Will Myers coming in. They signed Derek Norris. They got Will Middlebrooks, and then they signed James Shields to help with that rotation. Uh, They did a complete makeover, and you look at the division they play in, Colorado and Arizona aren't that scary. They didn't even win 70 games. San Francisco, yeah, they've won three of the last five World Series, but the two they didn't, they were terrible. Right, that's an odd year, so Giants are out of the picture. <laughs> yeah, that means the Giants are probably going to be on the way down. So really, I mean, San Diego has a good shot at making some noise in the NL West. I, uh, I definitely know? think so, for sure. I, I thought that they weren't – I thought the moves that they made in the offense were cute. Like Justin Upton, Matt Kemp, Will Myers, they all have question marks and are kind of – you don't really know what you're getting year in, year out for those guys. Will Myers has a lot of promise, but he had an injury last year. Um I, I wasn't sold on them until they got James Shields for the four-year, $75 million contract. James Shields is like the, the meat and potatoes of a starting rotation. Like You want that guy on your team that is just going to eat innings up and save your bullpen for the other guys. And they have mm-hmm. two young potential stud aces in Andrew Kashner and Tyson Ross. So that's a really good one, two, and three starting rotation. And then Ian Kennedy is your number four. Yeah, I definitely am buying in on the San Diego Padres, not to beat out the Dodgers for the division, but to have a winning record and to maybe get a wild card spot. I definitely think that's in their cards. So you're going bold and picking them to finish second in the NL West? Uh, yeah, I'll, I will be so bold as to say they will finish second in the NL West for sure. Come on, man. I've made two bold predictions on these podcasts. <laughs> you got to start. Yeah, start stepping it up here, man. All right, yeah, they they will be second in the NL West, and they will clinch a wild card spot. Oh, okay, okay. See, I didn't I didn't say the White Sox were made the playoffs, so you did one up me there. Good job. <laughs> if I had a t- if I had a cap, I'd tip it to you. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, good for them for finally spending some money and, and getting some talent over there. Uh, yeah, I'm kind of tired of the teams that hoard prospects, and then the par- prospects never pan out. And then you're just in right. perpetual farm system mode. Like you have prospects, use them to get actual MLB players. You know, right? I, I, I'm always a fan of trading prospects for proven talent. I mean, you know, it depends on what they're getting. There are some trades that just make no sense because the proven talent they're getting isn't as proven. Yeah. But like when the Indians traded for Ubaldo Jimenez, I was all all in favor for it because the two prospects they traded away haven't done much. And Ubaldo helped them make the playoffs two years ago. So, Absolutely. You know, if you can get that proven talent, 
do it. I mean, that's what you're playing for. You're playing to win, capitalize on your championship window or whatever window you may have. Yeah, definitely. All right, so my last worst move belongs to a very happy man in Miami, Florida, Giancarlo Stanton, who signed the biggest deal in all of North American sports, a 13-year, $325 million deal just at age 25. Uh, That contract's going to expire in 2028 when he's 38 years old. He does have an opt-out clause at age 30 uh, after six years of the deal. But if he does opt out, he's walking away from $215 million. Yeah. So I don't think he's going to opt out on that one. (laughs) Especially if his numbers go down. I mean, if he's not producing, then he's going to be like, well, I'm just going to cash some checks here. So, yeah, that's a pretty big gamble on the Marlins' part. I understand what they're doing. I said earlier, I understand why teams overpay and take care of their ingrown talent. Same with, like, the L.A. Angels. They paid Mike Trout a very big contract yeah. this offseason. I understand why they did it, because you want a guy who can be the face of your franchise. Yeah. Uh, but, but at the same the, time... The, the pool of, of, of information on the guy isn't that, isn't that large. You know, he, he's played five right. years in the, in the big leagues, 100 games in each of those five seasons... Uh, 20 home runs each year that's good but only 100 rbis once that was last year he strikes well, out and, a and, lot and, more and, than he walks and he has a 270 batting average i don't know if that's the guy i want to have the biggest deal in all of baseball yeah i mean it's certainly a head scratcher that he's going to be the highest paid guy in all baseball um you can see the potential as you said as you mentioned but you know it's it it it's 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 one of those things that can go either way, and you're investing three hundred twenty five million dollars to a guy who, if it doesn't go the way you want it to go, there's no way he's out now that deal. Oh yeah. So unless he's like really wants to go after a championship or something like that, but I'm gonna take the I'm gonna I'm gonna bet on the money winning out there. Yeah, me too. Um, so you know we'll see. Miami finally spent money. Maybe they'll get something for it. I don't. I don't particularly like the Marlins. I still hold a sour taste in '97. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, other than that that deal, I think the Marlins getting D Gordon and getting Matt Latos from Cincinnati that that definitely puts them in a position to contend in a in a weak NL East. Uh, but right. that deal just man, that's a huge deal. It's a oh, lot yeah, of money, no, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but staying out of shifting back to the west coast uh for my final move a guy who uh hit 40 home runs last year and didn't get more consideration for mvp because of the steroids issues he had but nelson cruz going to a team that won 87 games last year the seattle mariners i think is an excellent signing Uh, again seattle is another team that kind of surprised people last year they got a lot of talent nelson cruz adding another bat to that lineup uh, you know, they only lost out on a wild card by one game, so they weren't far away. You had a guy who has 40 home runs. The team that they lost out to just traded away everything. That would be Oakland. So you got to think Seattle thinks that it's next in line to take one of those five playoff spots and maybe even challenge the Angels in the division. And, you know, Nelson Cruz, certainly when you see the kind of money that's been thrown around here, doesn't come as a as a huge uh, cap killer no definitely i mean he's 34 so he's three years older than hanley ramirez but he's getting paid four years for 57 million dollars as opposed yeah. to hanley's four year 88 million dollars 
and they're yeah. gonna, they're and both going to play corner outfield and they're right-handed power bats. So, but the difference is Nelson Cruz actually plays corner outfield. Yeah, yeah, you know what you're getting. <laughs> <laughs> I so, I definitely think the Mariners are in a position to to challenge the Angels. I think it's going to be a race yeah. for sure, just be- between them two. Yeah. No, certainly. I mean, we've we've tipped our hand a little bit as to what we think is going to go down uh, in this MLB season, but I'm sure as opening day gets closer, we'll uh, have a more comprehensive look at uh, each of the teams and who we think are going to be the contenders and probably make some World Series uh, preseason predictions. But, you know, that right there, pretty, I think we got a pretty good handle on the MLB offseason. For sure, yeah. We definitely hit all the big players, the big spenders. I think there are a couple more trades that might go down before we open up on opening day but uh we got a good picture of the landscape of the league right now for sure definitely um did you watch shifting gears a little bit did you watch the nba all-star game at all uh i watched a little bit of the all-star game and it's ridiculous how quickly they score and just how loose they're playing uh there are a couple good dunks by lebron and, and russell westbrook um, it was cool to see at one point all four of the Atlanta Hawks were on the court, and yeah, they I with think, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of funny that it was like the NL, or the Western Conference All Stars against the Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> it just kind of made me <laughs> laugh. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I would rather have seen a mixture of talent than the starting well, four. Y- you knew the you knew the Hawks coach was going to do that. Uh, Larry Brown did that with the Pistons a while back, and yeah, you know. It, you know, I have no problem with with that. It was it, they didn't dominate the game that way. But Kyle Korver, he had what seven three pointers. Yeah, I think he, he had twenty one point seven three pointers. He had so, a good night. You just gotta wonder what went wrong in Chicago. He didn't work out in Chicago. Yeah, I mean he bounced he around a, a lot a lot of places. He was right. in Philly before that. So who knows? What? Did you? What about yeah. the the Saturday night? What did you think? I actually didn't watch Saturday night. I, I um I, I don't like All Star Saturday anymore. It's like the home run derby now. Like I used to love those days, but they've injected too much commercial, yeah, too many too commercials. Long. It's it takes forever. It just sucks the life out of it. And the dunk contest had nobody that I was really uh itching to see. I know that Levine kid had some great dunks and, and props to him for winning it and, and I certainly, you know, deserved it. Fantastic show. But I'm not. I don't want to see Zach Levine versus Victor Oladipo. I want to see LeBron yeah. James versus Blake Griffin. I'm sorry. For sure. I mean, call me when those two get on board and go head to head. Call me when LeBron uh, competes in this thing. I mean, the, the, he should have competed in this once or twice, uh, just like a lot of the greats before him. Um, so I, you know, that's my problem with the dunk contest. I never really liked it to begin with, and now that none of the big names participate in it, it just. I'm just glad it exists so that way the three-point shootout is earlier. I do kind of regret missing the three-point shootout because that was always my favorite contest, yeah. but um, I missed it. Uh, no real reason why. I was just uh, – I honestly just kind of lost track of the fact that it was going on. That's that's how much I care about it. I just they, – they, they just don't give me a reason to watch it anymore. There's no real uh, – there's too much too many commercials, and it's, and it's just – it's not as fun as it used to be to me. Yeah, I, I like to just – I you can watch all the dunks online now and that that's what i did like i didn't want to sit there and listen to kenny smith and reggie miller talk to me for two hours while these guys try and right. dunk uh everybody else other than levine didn't what did not impress me at all 
with their dunks. Uh, uh, a lot of them couldn't dunk. And then Oladipo right. was the supposed second best dunker of the night. And his best dunk was this 540 or was it a 360 reverse dunk? Nobody really knows. And if you're debating it right. and it's not that impressive, I, uh, I mean, uh, Levine, props to him because all four of his were yeah. awesome and, and yeah, well orchestrated. He, he he went Space Jam and he brought it. So yeah. I mean, I give it, yeah, I give him mad props because, and more importantly, um, like I said, I didn't watch it, but I heard he only missed one dunk. Yeah, I think he hit all but one of his dunks on the first try. See, that's that's the big one for me. I know you get the extra chances, and I like that, but at the same time, if someone can come bring to the show one trick and just hit it, hey man, I mean not one trick, but just hit hit his hit his dunks on one try. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That, that's kind of, that's a lot more impressive Definitely. to me. Before before we move on, what? did you see the fashion show? Did you know there was a fashion show this year? I did not. No. <laughs> yeah, there's an NBA All-Star All-Style weekend and it's just NBA players had a fashion show and there were judges like I think Charles Barkley was a judge. Really? <laughs> yeah, JR Smith he beat wears, out like, tan suits every night. <laughs> he's judging fashion. I know. Okay. Uh JR Smith won. He beat out Chandler Parsons for for the best style in the league. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. It kind of represented to me everything that is awesome about the NBA and everything that is awful about the NBA at, all at once. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't even know this existed until this moment. I mean, I, I you know, it's just it's just an event now. Like, like the All-Star game, I don't know. I just I don't care much about them anymore. I think when I yeah. was little, I liked them more because I actually thought they were cool and they were actually playing, and I was too young to understand that they really weren't. But uh, now it's like, you know, whatever. It's it's no big deal to me. Yeah, it's it's fun to to tune in for a little bit, but it's it right. takes way too long now to to get my whole attention. Um, but moving to the real NBA, though, I mean, Amari Stoudemire is going to hit the market now. Yeah, leaving New York. Yeah, they announced that pretty much the moment the all-star game was over which was kind of mm-hmm. ironic seeing that it was in new york uh city so mm-hmm. yeah it was kind of interesting to me that they bought him out now when his contract is up in april like why mm-hmm. wh- what's the the thought process in there you couldn't trade him for anything you know I, well no because i don't think anyone wanted his contract it's hard to make deals in the nba because you got to line up the salary yeah. so much um I, I don't know why, but, you know, I, I imagine that, you know, the Knicks are obviously going nowhere, and I'm sure that Amari, you know, no competitor wants to play for a team that's going nowhere. Yeah. And so it, it could have been one of those uh, things where it was just mutual or whatnot. But, and the Knicks certainly, you know, they're they're clearly playing for next year. They're they're not yeah. making any illusions about what they're trying to do. Uh, Carmelo Anthony looked pretty good in that All Star game, and now they're saying he's going to be shut down afterwards. So <laughs> it's pretty clear what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, and and then for Amari, he can just not ride the bench and go somewhere where he might be able to play a little bit more. I hear Dallas is the front runner. Clippers and Suns also interested. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Um, we'll, we'll definitely see if uh, who gets him and, and how that will impact the race down the stretch. Yeah, I think most people will look at the Amari Stoudemire era as a failure and question why they ever gave him that max contract. But mm-hmm. 
you know, hindsight is a little different than what the reality was at the time when the Knicks were awful and were not exciting at all for a good seven years before they signed Amari Stoudemire. And that first yeah. year, pre-Mellow trade, when it was Amare, right. Raymond Felton, Timothy Mozgov, Wilson Chandler, and uh, da, the ga, Gallinelli. Gallinari, right? yeah. yeah, they were exciting and really good they, and, they and really good. fun to watch. I agree 100%. And I believe, yeah, yeah, it was the Carmelo trade that really gutted that roster and set them on a you know, not so desirable court. I, of course, I think they gave up too many solid role players. I think if they had kept that team around Amari, uh, it could have been interesting to see how how fortunes may have changed with the Knicks. Yeah. But certainly, I think they, they tried to make a big splash combination that, that just didn't work well together. Yeah, and then and then didn't help that Amari eventually kind of deteriorated with his back issues. But Right. But you can't, I mean, it's hard to see that coming. But, again, that's why you don't pay these guys who are getting up there in age uh, big-time money all the time. I mean. Definitely. But, hey, last last week you did the National Signing Day, and uh, you you were talking about sort of the California teams poaching on the uh, Southeastern teams. Well, Georgia, your team bit back. Yes, sir. Rokon Smith. I probably mispronounced your first name. I'm sorry. But uh, he's an interesting guy in that, well, first off, he's a top 50 overall recruit, a four-star from Georgia, uh, had a decision between UGA or UCLA, and he announced on National Signing Day that he's going to UCLA. Interesting uh, wrinkle in his decision was that he had no intention of signing an official letter of intent, which is basically the binding contract that a recruit can't get out of. Um mm-hmm. So he put the power in his place and basically he was going to show up to school in the summer and like that would be the start of his scholarship. Uh, Obviously, you're not going to say no to a top 50 recruit like that. Uh, And so the reason you did that is because he heard rumors that I guess uh, assistant coach that he was close to in UCLA might move post national signing day. And he did. And so then Mm -hmm. he went back on his announcement and decided that he's going to Georgia. And that, See, that that same that same situation happened up in uh, in Ohio State. There's a running back who uh, signed his letter of intent, and then like the next day, the running backs coach left for Chicago, the Bears. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's an issue every so, year, and you always hear right. about recruits getting really mad that you know a, a defensive line coach recruits a defensive lineman and recruits him hard and tells him that he's going to be there for the season. Like I'm going to make you an NFL prospect. As soon as he faxes in that letter, he bolts for the NFL himself and, and leaves right. the kid at a four-year institution where the one guy he was close to is gone. And so I think they need the NCAA needs to change that rule and that uh, coaching changes. There should be like a freeze period around National Signing Day. And they're also going to look into changing the way letters of intent work as well. Yeah, and they should. I think they need to update some rules. I understand why they have the letter of intent, but I think there needs to be, I agree with you, I think there needs to be some wiggle room. Um, you know, there's always the joke when a coach leaves for another college, uh, people start tweeting, does he have to sit out a year now? So, uh, yeah. you know, you know, you got the transfer rules, you got all that stuff, and, and then you have what's going on in uh, eastern Washington with uh, quarterback Vernon Adams. Uh, yeah. Not really transferring to Oregon, he is, but he's graduating from the institution. So uh, by doing so, he is uh, can enroll in a program that does not offer a 
graduate program that that's that's at that school right so it's it's what russell wilson did um it's it's what a couple of guys have done and so it's one of those rules that's uh kind of a funny one and i don't know where to come down on this because at the first on the first hand on one hand you've got a kid who's graduated from college so he is done i mean once you graduate from college that's what this is supposedly all about yeah uh you're free from your, from your commitment, and, and so, I, but but at the same time, I mean, I understand Eastern Washington's beef because they developed the kid for three years or so, and the one coach said, "Hey, we're not AAA," you know, we right right, and they understandably feel ju- a little jilted by it. Yeah, and that rule was created uh, interestingly not out of the football machine to to make this a possibility. It was a rule that it was for other sports, NCAA scholarships you know an athlete gets his degree and wants to take advantage of the scholarship that was awarded him and wants to pursue a graduate degree somewhere else it's only recently that big name football studs have started to take advantage of the rule you know uh if you can get your degree that quickly uh congratulations and i think that you should be eligible to go pursue football if that's what you really want but at the same time i don't want recruiting season to open up again in year three for these juniors and, and redshirt sophomores right. that are maybe outplaying their school or uh you know not happy with the, the the recruiting the recruits that are behind them or something i don't know i i think right. it's a it's or a slippery slope a, or just using an fcs school to develop for two years because the quarterback slots are not open so you sit there and develop and kind of survey the lay of the land, and then, yeah. oh, Mariota's leaving. I'm a good fit for that offense. I can go there now when I graduate. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah I mean, it, it's it's one of those tough ones that, that you don't want to deny a kid a chance to go pursue a graduate degree somewhere else if that's his genuine intent. But at the same time, you see some – like all rules, it's going to be manipulated to, by the teams that are trying to win. For sure. Who does Oregon play their first game this season? Eastern Washington. Yeah. <laughs> I think that had something to do with it. That's going to be awkward. That may be a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> awkward. Yeah. <laughs> but, hey, man, if Eastern Washington beats them, that would be kind of cool. That would be awesome. I would love it. But I don't think that's going to happen. No, absolutely not. Not without I'm, Vernon I'm Adams. Not go- <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going that bold. No way I'm going that bold. <laughs> I'm not doing it. So... But all righty, man. It looks like we've uh, covered a lot of ground in this uh, podcast. Uh, thank everyone. Thank you, everyone, for listening once again. Mm-hmm. And uh, you remember, FamilyRoadSports.com. Uh, you can listen to all of our podcasts, all three of them there. You can subscribe via iTunes. Just search Fenley Road Sports. You can follow us on Twitter, Fenley RD Sports, or search Fenley Road Sports. Either way should get you to our Twitter handle. Um, and all of those uh, links are on our website. Again, FamilyRoadSports.com. Uh, Bob and I uh, enjoy talking with you and uh, hope you guys come back next week for our next edition. All right, man. I'll see you later, Chris. Yeah, man. Take it easy. You too.